Your soul is the greatest hindrance to you walking by faith. Yes, that's right, I said it. Your soul is the greatest hindrance to you walking by faith. We're going to show you why in this episode of The Faith Life. Hey, what's up, church? It is your dear brother, Damaris Johnson, and welcome to another edition of The Faith Life, where we share with you the keys, the processes, and the methodologies that you need to know so that you can walk by faith and not by sight. The life that God has designed for you to live is a life that is to be apprehended by the hands and the feet and the passions of faith. And if you don't have a level of understanding of what it means to walk by faith, then you're going to hinder God from being able to bring you into everything that he has for you. Your life is designed to be a life of faith, of joy, of peace, and of happiness. But we want to show you and share with you the integral secrets and keys that's going to unlock the treasures of heaven that God has for you. And in today's episode, we're going to be sharing with you uh, how to um, eliminate the soul from hindering you from walking by faith. But before we do that, I want to encourage you to uh, subscribe to this uh, podcast, to share this particular message, to uh, uh, like this particular message, answer questions to this particular message so that we can help you to uh, gain and ascertain the level of understanding necessary in order for you to walk by faith and not by sight. Okay, now, I really want to um, I want to get into the book of Habakkuk. Uh, so turn your Bibles to the book of Habakkuk. We're going to start there, and we're going to deal with and talk about how your soul can become the greatest hindrance to you walking by faith, or your soul can become the greatest asset to you walking by faith. Before we get into that, though, I want to kind of get you caught up to speed on where we are in this, in this uh, series of what faith is that's right what faith is we talked last um episode uh podcast uh, in regards to the different aspects of faith we talked about we defined what faith was we gave you the definition of faith we then gave you the description of what faith becomes once it comes and then we tell we showed you how to activate and how to release your faith uh into this into this realm into this dimension the definition we gave you for faith was god's word in your spirit God's word in your spirit and to get a, a full and complete um, definition of that and expression of that please listen to last week's podcast but we went to uh, Psalm 51 verse 6 and Psalm 119 verse 11 and we share with you how the definition of faith is is comprised of God's word contacting the spirit and what and we and we share with you uh, what takes place once the word of God you know, uh, uh, t- contacts the spirit. Once the word of God, the sperm of God, is what we call it. Once it connects with the spirit, then you have the you have the life of God produced. You have the life of God comes forth. You have the life of God that is able to now be released into your being, and then you're able to release what's inside of you into this realm and into this dimension. Uh, I encourage you to listen to last week's podcast. Next, we talked about the description. We gave you a description of what faith is, and. For most people, for most people, they, they their description of faith, or their definition of faith, is actually the description of faith. They, when you ask somebody, well, what is faith? The first thing they'll say to you, in most cases, they'll quote you Hebrews 11:1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for; it is the evidence of things not seen. Well, we explain to you, and we share with you, and we reveal to you how that is actually a a description of what 
takes place once the word contacts your spirit. Once the word germinates in your spirit. Once the word becomes one with your spirit. Once the word of God abides in your spirit. Then Hebrews 11.1, 1, which is a description of what takes place when the word of God comes into your spirit. That's when it becomes prevalent. That's when you can see the substance. That's when it becomes the substance of things. And we talked about what the substance really is. And then it becomes evidence. So we talked about the description of faith that becomes the life force behind how you walk and how you live and how you move and how you have your being. We share with you how that particular word there, a substance, is connected to the life of Christ Jesus himself. We share with you that, and I encourage you, again, go listen to that first podcast because it, it'll, it'll bless you. It'll, it'll take you deeper into what we really are called to live and how we're called to live. And then thirdly, we share with you how to activate, how to activate your, your faith, um, that word in your spirit, and that substance, and that essence. And we, we talked about how that foundation of the word of God contacting the spirit of God is, is to be released into the atmosphere. We took you to Mark, the 11th chapter, the 22nd verse, when Jesus said, have the God kind of faith, or have God's faith, which is his word, released from his spirit. Have God's faith in motion. Have God's faith moving, and you shall be able to say to this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea. And if you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe those things which you say shall come to pass, you shall have whatsoever you say it. This is the operation of faith. This is how we operate in faith. This is how we release that substance, that, 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 that life force that's down on the inside of us, that they've been able to prove through quantum physics that the words that we release are substance. They're literal substance. There's things that take place. There's things that fill our words. Our words are filled with substance. But depending on what that substance is, we'll determine what that substance produces. Your words are filled with faith or they're filled with fear. They're filled with life or they're filled with death. They're filled with truth or they're filled with lie. Whatever it is that you speak out of your mouth, your words are containers. They contain life. They contain death. They contain prosperity. They contain poverty. They contain healing or they contain disease. They contain overcoming or they contain failing. Whatever it is that you release out of your mouth, whatever it is you let come out of your mouth will determine how you live your life. So it is important, it's an imperative that you understand that faith is a real thing. I know we deal with the, the nebulous idea of what it means to live by faith. Some folks have this, this felonious idea that faith means I don't know what's going on in my life. That faith means I'm just kind of walking by the seat of my pants. That faith means that there's something that I can't touch, that I can't understand, that I can't sense, that I can't be. That is not what the biblical faith is. Real, real Bible faith, you can touch, you can see, you can smell, you can sense. Real Bible faith, you can understand, you can know, you can understand what's happening. We're going to talk today about when you really, really get down to the nuts and bolts of faith, you can know what's going to happen. You can see what's going to happen. You can predict what's going to happen. You can prophesy what's going to happen. Faith is a real substance. Faith is something that's alive. Faith is something that's touchable. Faith is something that's tangible. You can live by faith. You can walk by faith. You can speak by faith. You can think by faith. You can do all these things. It is a real thing. Jesus himself lived by faith. He didn't live by the seat of his pants. To walk by faith means don't, don't, don't mean you don't know what's going to happen. You may not know every detail of everything, but you have, an, you have a vision of what's going to take place in your life. Okay? Which brings me to the subject matter for today. I want to dive into the the four places 
where it is declared to us that the just shall live by faith. Those four places are Habakkuk, the second chapter, the fourth verse. It's in Romans, the first chapter, the 17th verse. It's in, I'm sorry, it's in Galatians, the third chapter, I believe it's the, the 19th verse. And it's in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, the 38th verse. Those four places, it is, it is emphatically declared specifically that the just shall live by faith. Now, Jesus talked about it all the time, about uh, uh, believing and living by faith. But those four places specifically to the church of the living God, it is declared to us that the just shall live by faith. And in all four places, the context is different. So I really want to lay a foundation of these four particular uh, scripture and the context of those scriptures that gives us identity to how we're called to live by faith. The just shall live by faith. We're going to dive into this Habakkuk, the book of Habakkuk here, and it's going to, we're going to use the backdrop of the book of Habakkuk to give us our first, you know, declaration, our first indication of what it is and how it is we are to live by faith. The book of Habakkuk is, is important for us to understand was, was a prophet that was in the midst of a rebellious people. They were in the midst of a people that were caught up in the world. They were caught up in the Babylonian culture and the Babylonian society, and they had a way of life that was contrary to what God wanted them to live. They were, they were a people that was just flat out out of control. They were living how they wanted to live. They were acting as if they didn't know God. They were acting as if they didn't have a culture of their own. They were doing things that they know they shouldn't be doing. And Habakkuk had got to the place where he, being the prophet of God, began to cry out to God, Oh God, oh God, how long is this going to go on? And then from that conversation, that from that cry, God began to reveal to Habakkuk how he was going to use the Chaldeans or the Babylonians to be a chastening tool for the nation of Israel. And this thing broke Habakkuk's heart. This thing had Habakkuk going through a tailspin. It had Habakkuk crying out to God. It put him in a, in a frightful and in a, in a terrible place. And Habakkuk just began to cry out to God. And he began to ask God questions. And God began to respond to him with certain responses. And based on those responses, determine the next phase or prayer by which, uh, or, or cry by which Habakkuk would cry out to God. And in verse 7, I want to make note of this in chapter 1. I want to just make note of verse 7. It, it, it describes the nature of the Babylonians. It describes the nature of the Chaldeans and how they lived life. It says they are a terrible and a dreadful people, and the judgment and the, and the dignity, their judgment, their judgment and their dignity proceeded from them. I want to make note of that because we're going to refer back to that in a minute. Now I want us to go to the second chapter of the book of Habakkuk, and let's start there. It says, I will stand upon my watch, and set me upon the tower, and will watch to see what will he say unto me, and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, and make it plain upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but, it at, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry then verse 4 says behold his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him but the just shall live by faith now after verse 4 let's go back up to the top we see that we see that in verses 1 in verse 1 i should say it says i will stand upon my watch and set set me upon the tower and i will watch to see what i what he will say unto me and what i shall answer when i'm approved so in this particular verse 4 verses we have habakkuk uh, stating what he would do, and then we have the Lord giving his answer 
to Habakkuk, starting in verse 2 uh, and, and, and down to verse 4 is where we want to go. But then the Lord told him, the Lord said, write a vision, make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. And then he says, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie, though it tarry, wait for it, because it shall surely come, it will not tarry. And then it says, behold, his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. This is the first time God declares to us the just shall live by faith. He declares to us the, the culture of the lifestyle of the just is to be by faith. And we talked in the first episode, in the first podcast, about, first of all, before you can walk by faith, you got to know that you are the just, that you are the innocent. You have been declared to be right before God. Positionally, we are right with God. That's what happened when Adam fell. When Adam fell, he, he, he lost his position in Christ Jesus. He lost his position in God. He lost his position in Christ Jesus. He lost his position that God had originally ordained for him to have, which was a position right beside God himself, which was a position for him to be able to communicate and hear from God how he was to rule and manage what took place on the earth. Well, when he fell, he lost that position. Well, by faith in Christ Jesus, we've now been given that position back. So the just has been declared innocent. Well, Adam was declared to be guilty. We've now been declared to be innocent. And because of our innocence, we are now in a position where we can communicate and we can receive from God. We can get a word from God that can, that can contact our spirit and become faith. And now we can walk by what we believe. We can walk by what we see. We can walk by what we possess from God and not by the things we see in the earth. Okay? So that is what it means to be the just. You have to believe and know that you are right with God. And I am now holy, unblameable, and unreprovable before God. I can now commune with God. I can now receive from God once again because I am positionally right before God. And there's nothing the devil can do about that. I'm positionally right because I believe and because I believed only. For the just shall live by faith. It was imputed unto us righteousness because we believed. We've been given the position. We've been placed in the position once again to where we can receive from God Almighty. Okay, so now, so now, once we understand that, once we are established in that particular aspect of who we are in Christ Jesus, once we know that particular aspect of our our salvation now we can go on now we can go on because there's no doubt about whether or not I'm, I'm just there's no doubt about whether or not God is not angry with me. there's no doubt about whether or not God loves me there's no doubt about whether or not I have the ability to walk by faith and do what it is God has called me to. ain't no doubt about that I'm established in my in my righteousness I'm established in my in my ability on that note on that note this this thought this thought comes to mind I'll share this with you the Bible says it like this he says we, we quote the scripture all the time no weapon formed against us shall prosper we talk about that that no weapon formed against us shall prosper but you, so you got to qualify for that. When the scripture declares to us that no weapon formed against us shall prosper, it says for a particular reason, there's a particular reason why weapons don't prosper against us. It's because we are established in our righteousness. We are established in righteousness. That is why, that is why no weapon formed against us prospers against us as we look at that. As we see that, as we go, as we go over that particular verse in um, in Isaiah, Isaiah 54, verse 17, it says, "No weapon formed against us shall prosper, and every tongue that rises against us in judgment, God shall condemn it." There is a heritage of the servants of the Lord, for their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. See, once you know that the righteousness is of the Lord, then no weapon will be formed against you. Once you are established in the righteousness of God, that you are God's righteousness, 
No weapon is able to form against you. No accusation. No condemnation. No shame. No guilt. Nothing, nobody, rise, no tongue that rises up against you to condemn you is able to prosper because I'm established in my righteousness. Yes, we are established in our righteousness. And because we are established in our righteousness, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. That primary weapon of the devil is guilt, shame, and condemnation. That thing won't prosper against me because I'm established in my righteousness. That's why it's important for you to know that you are the just. Because as long as you are the just, you can live by faith. But if you are not established in your justness, if you are not established in your righteousness, if you don't know that you're innocent, that you're acquitted from your past pain and sin and suffering, then you won't be able to live by faith. It's important that you understand that. Okay? So let's move on. It says, Behold, the soul that is lifted up is not upright in them. Now let's deal with this particular scripture. There's so much to unpack here, but I, I want to deal with this first verse here. This first verse, verse 4 says, Behold, God says, behold, after God explained to Habakkuk what to do, he said, behold now, now I need you to understand something. His soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him. Now, he's speaking specifically about the Chaldeans. Here's where verse 7 comes back in in chapter 1. How is it that the Chaldeans lived their life? They lived their life, they, they determined, they made their decisions they, they, they determined their dignity, and their, which is another word for pride. It means to, be, to swell. It means to, to, to lift, them, lift oneself. was based upon them. It came from them. It came from them and them only. It says, they are terrible and a dreadful people. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. Their judgments, their decisions, their way of life, their culture, their, the things that they did, their laws, their government, was it came from themselves. It came solely and strictly from them. This is an expression of their soul being lifted up. This is an expression of the soul being prideful, where they don't look to God to find out how they're supposed to live life. They don't look to God to answer him, to ask him what he wanted out of them. They've decided to do this on their own. They live from their own reason. They live from their own knowledge. They decided for themselves how they wanted to live life. They're a dreadful, they're a terrible people whose decisions and whose pride and whose selfishness and whose ways of dealing with situations uh, proceeds from them and them only. They don't want God. They eliminate God out of their life. So what we have here, we have God contrasting the life of the unrighteous and the life of the righteous. We have God contrasting the life of the just and the life of the unjust. He says the soul, the soul of the up unrighteous or is, is not upright in him. The soul of the Chaldeans, the unjust, is not right in him. It's not upright. What is he saying? The soul is lifted up. The soul is, in other words, they exalt their logic, they exalt their emotions, they exalt their reason, they exalt their desires over God's desires. Their soul is lifted up. Their soul is prideful because it's not upright in them. It's not upright. So we have to understand something. Let me explain something to you. When God created man, he created man a spirit being. He created man to operate from his spirit first. He created man to live from the dictates of his spirit. He created man to live in a spiritual relationship with God himself. Man was created a spirit being to, to communicate with a spirit God. God is a spirit. God is a spirit, the scripture says. And man is a spirit. Therefore, God and man is, is on the same plane and they're able to communicate with each other. That's why Jesus came saying, he's my father and I'm his son. 
in order for, and, and that's why they were ready to do something to Jesus because in order for Jesus to make a statement like that, he had to consider himself on the same plane with God. And they said, no, 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 no. You done lost your mind, man. You're you worthy of death. Well, Jesus knew who he was. He knew where he came from, and he knew exactly what he needed to say. We are created in the image and likeness of our God. We were created spirit beings able to communicate and talk with God and understand God and, and hear God and, and he hear us and, and we commune with him and, and we share in our love relationship. All of these things are predicated on us being spirit beings first. We possess a soul. We were created a spirit being. We now possess a soul. When Adam, when Adam, uh, when God breathed into the nostrils the breath of life and Adam, the Bible says he became a living soul. Okay, now. He was created a spirit being, but he lives through his soulless faculties. The soulless faculties happen to be the will, the mind, and the emotions, right? We are a spirit being, created spirit beings because we were created in the image of God. We possess, we are in possession of a soul. We are in possession of a will, of a, of a, of a mind, and of an emotion. And we are housed on this realm, in this realm, in physical bodies. But, but what I want to focus on is the spirit and the soul. So man created a spirit first and foremost. Secondarily, he was then, he was then formed, or he, he, was then, he was then breathed into his nostrils, the breath of life, and he became a living soul. So he was created a spirit being, he became a living soul. In other words, his life is now to be lived from his spirit through the faculties of the soul. Well, what happened when Adam sinned, it flipped. It flipped, so to speak, if I can do it like that. It flipped. Imagine, imagine things flipping. And now, uh, now, it is no longer upright. It is actually upside down. Remember when Paul came preaching and the, the, um, the, the particular area he came preaching in, he said they, they, they call themselves telling on Paul. I can't recall the, the particular location. They call themselves telling on Paul. And they said, and they said to Paul, I mean, they said up Paul, and they were going to the particular leaders uh, of that day, and they thought they was going to get Paul in some kind of trouble. And they said, they said, hey, these guys right here, you see these guys? You see these guys over here? They ain't doing right. They're not doing something right. They're around here, they're around here talking about, talking about um, what's happening in, in this particular, in this particular area, in that particular area. And they said, these folks, they have come, they have come to actually turn the world upside down. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. In actuality, they didn't come to turn it upside down. They came to turn it right side up because it's already upside down. Whenever man is in control, things will be upside down. Think this Acts the 17th chapter says, and when they found them not. They drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These have they, these, these that have turned the world upside down to come here also. Paul wasn't coming to turn the world upside down. He was coming to turn the world right side up. He was coming to turn man right side up. And, and turning man right side up, you turn the world right side up. See, the soul that is lifted up is not upright. In other words, the fallen soul is not upright. It's actually upside down. So what God was revealing to Habakkuk here is the unjust lives via an upside down soul, an upside down um, being or perspective, so to speak. The
The soul has ascended itself, has exalted itself above the spirit, the part of man that is in communion and in contact directly with God Almighty. Well, that part of man has now been superseded, has now been usurped. The authority of the spirit has now been usurped by the soul. And that soul, that being, is not upright. And an and, and, uh, uh, upside-down being will produce an upside-down world. Paul came to turn the world right side up, not upside down. Behold, his soul, which is lifted up, which is prideful, which is allowed pride to uh, uh, exalt itself, to swell itself up, is not upright. It is not upright. It is now considered to be upside down, or we can say it's not righteous. Now, now that we understand what this particular phrase means, his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright. The soul is prideful now because it's upside down. The soul, the will, the man's will, mind, and emotion, he's allowed that to supersede his intuition. He's allowed to supersede his communion capabilities. He's allowed to supersede the faculties of the spirit. The faculties of the soul, the will, the mind, and emotion, has superseded the faculties of the spirit, which is communion, which is conscience, and which is intuition. Okay? The, the mind of the spirit, the voice of the spirit, and the desires of the spirit. It is allowed it to be superseded. That's why it's not upright. But then God says, but wait, 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 wait. You got the, you got the soul that is lifted up. You got the soul that is not right. But then you got the just. They're going to live by faith. They're going to live by the word of God and the spirit, which then, which then uh, permeates the soul, which is now can be lived out in my life. See, they're going to live by the, the, the faculties of the Spirit being illuminated by the Word of God. They're going to live through that communion cavity that I speak, that I, that I discharge my Word into their Spirit. And then their, their mind of the Spirit, their intuition going to kick in. And then the Spirit, and then the conscience going to kick in, the voice of the Spirit. So they're going to think something in the Spirit. They're going to hear something in the Spirit. They're going to voice something in the Spirit. And then that's going to permeate through the soul. And then my, my desire is going to be what the Word of God has spoken to my Spirit. My, my emotion is going to feel the way the, the Word of God has caused me to feel in my spirit and then my desire my will gonna be aligned with the word of God that's in my spirit and now I can communicate that and I can demonstrate that and I can live that out in my life the soul the just the just shall live by the spirit by the spirit filled with the word and then once that word fills my spirit it's gonna bring life to my soul and it's through my soul that I live in this earth the just shall live by faith the just shall live by faith. Now, the context, the context of the just living by the word of God in the spirit is powerful in this, in this particular verse here in Baca. This context gives us, man, it gives us so much as it pertains to how life is to be lived. See, we're going to do away with this idea that living by faith is a risk. We're going to do away with the idea that when you live by faith, you live by the fly, you, you fly by the seat of your pants. Because God said, listen, he said, Habakkuk, listen, he said, write this vision down and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision, the vision, say vision, the vision is yet for an appointed time. But in the end it shall speak and it shall not lie. It, though it say, wait for it because it shall surely come. And will not tarry. See, faith produces a spirit-filled vision for your life. The ultimate expression of faith. When faith has run its full course, you're going to have a vision of what's going to take place in your life. You're going to know what tomorrow is going to bring. 
you're going to have an idea of what it is God will have you doing 5, 10, 15 years from now. When you really get a word from God and you allow that word to germinate and bring forth and bud, it's going to produce thoughts, it's going to produce feelings, it's going to produce desires that you're going to know what's going to happen. You're going to, be start, you're going to start having a vision, you're going to start prophesying, you're going to be able to see your life 10 years from now, you're going to see your life 5 years from now, you're going to see your life 15 years from now, you're going to be able to see what God has for you, you're going to have a vision for your life. Faith produces a vision that will enable you to see what's going to happen two, three years from now. We're talking about faith. We're talking about the God kind of faith. The God kind of faith can see something in your path that's not supposed to be there. Can see a mountain in your path that's not supposed to be there. Can see a relationship in your life that's not supposed to be there. Can see something in your path that should not be there. And you can speak to it according to what you see. See, I live my life by my vision that faith has produced, not by what the love, what the world, and what the circumstances brings before me. I live my life by the vision that God has given me to see tomorrow, not by what the circumstances may bring before me today. I decide and make decisions based on the vision that's been produced by the Word of God that's contacted my spirit today because of what I see in my tomorrow. Now we're talking about living by faith. Now we're talking about walking by faith. Now we're talking about having apprehended the things that God has for me by faith. But before I do that, I got to have a position that Habakkuk took. Habakkuk said, listen, I will stand upon my watch. I will set me upon the tower. And, I, and we'll watch to see what he will say to me. See, you got to have a desire to hear something from God. You got to have a want to to hear something from God. You got to have a desire to hear the word of God. You got to want to be spoken to. You got to want God to say something to you. You got to want God to give you something. You got to want to hear him word from him. You got to listen. You got to go cuddle up next to him. And you got to say, speak to me, Lord. I want to hear something. I need to hear something. See, there comes a time when nothing else matters, when you need to hear the word, and you need to hear the word only from God. And that's really what's going to make this thing work. That's really what's going to make this thing come alive. It's when you get to that place where you set yourself upon the watch. You're the watchman of your life. You're the watchman of your circumstance. You're the watchman of your life of faith. You've got to set yourself upon your watch. You've got to set yourself in that, in, that, in that high place where you can see life coming towards you. Well, you can see where you go. You got to go put yourself in that position, in that tower, in that place of peace, in that place of loneliness, in that place where it's just you and God alone. And you got to say, speak to me, Lord. Speak to me. You got to say, speak to me. You got to say, speak to me. You got to say, I want to hear that, Lord. You got to say, I want to hear your voice, Lord. I want to hear that still, small voice of yours. I want to hear that lovely, love-filled voice that produces vision in my life that produces life inside of me, that causes something to come alive inside of me, that causes me to walk by faith and not by what's going on around me. I need to hear that voice of love that's going to pull me out of whatever I'm bound into, that's going to pull me away from who's ever holding me back. I need to hear that voice because once you hear that voice, you won't be able to stay. Once you hear that voice, you're going to get to writing. You're going to get to writing. You don't get to talking to people about stuff that ain't even happened yet. You don't get to writing stuff down that nobody else can see. You don't get to doing stuff and saying stuff and acting and making decisions about things that ain't nobody even ain't nobody even know nothing about. Because you have a vision. Because you got a word. Because something's been spoken down on the inside of you. 
He says, wait for it. He says, the vision. No, no, here's what you got to understand now. Here's what you got to understand. You're living in today. Tomorrow's a whole nother day. You got to understand that what, where you are today will not be where you are tomorrow. What God is talking about you today is not what's going on. For, it's not for today. It's for another day. So that's going to require you. It's going to require you doing something. Listen, it's for an appointed time. What you're going through today and what you're living, what I'm talking to you about today, it's not for today. Now, I know that's tough for some of us because we want everything right now. But that's why he said you, you, you got to need a patience. So patience is one of the things you're going to need. Paul said, Paul said, Paul said uh, in Hebrew, he said, man, he said, wait a minute. He said, well, uh, I said, wait, you, you, you're in need of patience. I see something, something wrong here. You are in need of patience. And after you have done the will of God, then you receive the promises. See, we need to, see, we get hasty. We get hasty. See, you can't get hasty. You can't get anxious and walk by faith. You got to be patient. You got to be consistent, consistently consistent in doing what it is God has asked you to do. You got to be consistently consistent in the disciplines that God has, that you need to have established in your life as a believer. You got to be consistent in reading your Bible. You got to be consistent in praying. You got to be consistent in coming to the service. You got to be consistent in giving you, bringing your tithes and offerings. You got to be consistent in praising God. You got to be consistently consistent in worshiping God. You got to be consistently consistent in fellowshipping with the believer. You got to be consistently consistent in establishing yourself in the right. You got to be consistently consistent. That's what it means to be patient. You got to be consistently consistent in the things that pertain to your faith life. It says it's for an appointed time. But in the end, it's going to declare what God spoke to you years ago. And it's not going to say what God didn't say. He says, though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come and will not tarry. Last thing I want to emphasize is it shall surely. We also describe faith as an emphasis on the definite. The word of faith is an emphasis on the definite. Now, the word of faith has taken a lot of flack because it emphasizes what is. It emphasizes what God has said. It emphasizes what God has already done. It's not a if it be God's will type thing. It's not a, well, I'm not sure if this is going to happen. Well, I'm not sure. No, the word of faith emphasizes what's definite. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There ain't no doubt about that. Yeah, but what about when I mess up? That don't mean nothing. That don't, that don't deposition you. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are the healed of God. By your stripes, ye were, past is healed. So I am the healed of the living God. But what about this sickness? That, that's okay. That do not make you the healed. You are an overcomer. You are more than a conqueror. Listen, you are the body of Christ. You are the righteousness of God. You are not a sinner. You are not a liar. What about that fear if he told you, well, that don't make him no liar. Just like when you, was, when you was a sinner, when you was the unrighteous, when you did something right, when you did something good, it didn't make you the righteous. What I do, what I do, right or wrong, don't determine my position in Christ or before Christ. It's what I believe that determines my position. When I believe right, when I believe right, my position changes. The one thing that changes your position, whether you're in Adam or you're in Christ, 
is how you believe. Now, what you do may impact your condition, your living conditions, but it don't impact your position, your, your spiritual position, your spiritual position before God Almighty. Okay, here we go. The definite of the faith life that God has called you to. The definite. I need you to understand that. When you're walking by faith, when you're living by a faith-inspired vision, the confidence that it shall surely come to pass will also be given to you based upon that word God spoken to you. Man, my time is up. I got to go. There's a few more things that I would love to bring out that I'll bring out in the next podcast. But I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to live the life of faith that God has called you to live. First of all, know that you're the just. Believe that you're the just. Understand that the definition of faith is God's word in your spirit. Position yourself to hear a word from God because there's nothing else that will create a vision from God that will enable you to run. I'm talking about run. I'm talking about run to make this thing happen to that appointed time and to that appointed place. Though it tarry, you got the patience. You have the patience to wait for it. You have the ability to be consistently consistent in doing the things that will bring to pass the vision that God has given you from the word that's contacted your spirit. It shall surely happen. No doubt about it. It's going to happen for you. It's going to happen for you. It's going to happen for you. Say that with me. Say it will happen for me. Church, I want to thank you for tuning in. I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, uh, we're asking that you uh, subscribe to this channel so that we can continue to feed you the precious word of God. We're asking that you would share this with your friends and family so that they can be blessed as well. Uh, become a part of uh, pray, sp spreading the gospel uh, throughout the world and to your loved ones. And we're also asking that you comment and let us know that you appreciate this word, that you love this word, and that you would love to hear more of this word. And if you have any questions, uh, please do so so that we can be aware of what it is that you're dealing with so that we're not um, all over the place, but we're very, we're very uh, microscopic in how we address and deal with the issues that are going on throughout the body of Christ. Thank you, and God bless you. And once again, we love you.